Thank you so much for joining us today. We would love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment and visit NBCOcala.com stories to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to help support the ministry financially, you can give online or through our mobile giving app. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. And help me welcome our internet family, if you would. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, our series New View, um, brief, brief, brief review here. Um, really, it's nothing new at all. And let me put it in this context. Christianity, church as a whole in our culture, has an image problem. Not that we're to put on some kind of image, but here's the real problem. People um, have a negative perspective toward church, the Bible, Jesus, and consequently end up rejecting, you know, the way of life and rejecting Jesus. And so I think it's important that we kind of regather and become kind of self-aware and kind of check ourselves and make adjustments and make sure that we're presenting um, God, Jesus, his word, this, this life that he's given us, that we represent that in the right way and give a new view to the culture around us uh, that we're more and more marginalized by that culture. But I'll tell you what, I'm not discouraged at all because in the darkness, light will shine and we're going to make sure that we're doing this right. Can I get an amen on that this morning? So all that being said, um, there are questions that, that sometimes uh, our culture is dealing with and maybe ourselves, and we want to bring some clarity to that. And so a series we believe is a season where God is speaking something to us as a, as a church family. And um, so certainly what I've already introduced to you this morning. But today, if I have a subtitle, I would call it Big Questions, Big Questions. And we're going to kind of drill down on a super big question here this morning. Um, many, many people are held up and blocked just as far as their uh, ability to believe and, and their faith in God, their faith in Jesus and largely because of questions that they have, and many times because they've not received a satisfactory answer or they've gotten wrong information to those questions. And so we want to be careful, number one, that we don't create any unnecessary questions in how we live and conduct ourselves. And then secondly, we want to make sure as believers, as Scripture tells us, that we're prepared to answer as best we can. And mostly what you have to be able to answer is, why do you believe? Why do you have hope in your heart? And let's look real quick in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 in the New International Version. It says, but in your hearts, everybody say my heart, in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. That's the biggest thing you, you must know. But do this with, help me out, gentleness and what? And respect. So we want to be prepared. We want to have that answer, not some pat answer, not something we just write down somewhere and learn by rote, but what is the real reason? Why do you believe? Um, Why do you have hope? And when we do that, even with people who may not see things like you see them, we must do this with gentleness and with respect. Now, all worldviews, and we just did a series uh, a couple months ago on uh, worldviews called Filter. We hold to a biblical worldview, not a Christian worldview. I think that's too broad of a a statement. You know, there's too many flavors and variations on that. But biblical, that's our standard, the Bible. Um, 
a biblical worldview. Now, all worldviews deal with questions. They're centered on answers to a number of questions. For example, deity. Is there a God or is there no God? Um, origins. Did, were we created? Did we evolve? Did we arrive by alien spaceship? You know, how, how did we get here? And so you have all these different worldviews based on these kind of things. Now, we believe, from a biblical worldview, we believe in God. And we believe that he is the creator, but we also believe that he is the redeemer. And so that means he can not only make, but he can also fix. Beyond that, we believe him to be omnibenevolent, which means he's always only good. You need to know this about God. He is always only good. Second of all, he is omnipotent, which means he has all power. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient, which means he is all-knowing. And he's om- omnipotent, which means he's, ev- uh, excuse me, omnipresent. He's everywhere present at the same time. Now, we're talking about questions today and interacting with, with our culture. Here's probably the biggest question, the most troubling question that culture poses, and it is this. How can there be uh, the presence of a good God, powerful God that you talk about, and yet there's evil in the world, and there's suffering in the world? And a lot of times a person will go through something, and then they kind of calculate based on that, how could there be a, how could there be a good God? How could there be a God who knows anything, has any p- kind of power, if this is going on in the world? And consequently, they boil all that down. Okay, you say he's all-knowing, you say he's good and loving, you say that that he's all-powerful, but yet there's evil, suffering, pain in the world. And people aren't able to to figure that out. How how does that work then, that there can be this good God and evil at the same time? And you boil it all the way down to the bottom, and they conclude this, there must not be a God. There must not be a God. And so that forms their world view and it also is informed from their worldview and i want to help us today first of all so that we're settled on some things and then also so we can help people around us as as well as these questions come up and this these questions probably honestly have passed through all of our ears they've passed through all of our minds how how can that be how how can that happen let me say that we still believe that in this world that God created that does have evil and pain and suffering, we still believe that God is good and loving and powerful and wise and present. He's, he's, he's aware. And so what do we do with this? Well, I think, first of all, to give us good perspective, because here's, here's the tragedy of this. If you don't frame this right, then you'll say, okay, there's God but yet there's bad, so God can't exist. If you frame that wrong. So I want us to try to reframe this a little bit. First of all, let's look at four different kinds of evil. And this is where pain and suffering can come. The first would be moral. Moral. And this is the actions or inactions of human beings that are maybe greedy or prideful or hateful. It's things that people do. We see things in the news all the time that disturb us, that people do evil things that causes pain and suffering to other folks. I don't even want to go into the list. Second would be natural. Natural is not human. It's beyond human. This is floods and earthquakes and tornadoes and 
hurricanes and things like that 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 would happen. It's beyond human control, but it would cause pain and suffering. The third would be error, error. Um, When I stepped off the roof back Thanksgiving and, and got hurt and had pain and suffering, it was because of user error. There's a law of gravity, and I violated that law. Okay? You say, well, why didn't God protect you? Look at me. He did. He did. Moral, natural error. And then fourthly would be spiritual. Spiritual. There is an enemy. The devil. And let me just say this. God, good. Devil, bad. Okay, let's close in prayer. All right. So these are the four kinds of evil that take place. And then there are myriad, tens of thousands, realistically, of rationale, philosophies, approaches, uh, theories to try to explain this whole problem of evil as it's called. And it's not just a problem. Paul refers to it in Thessalonians as the mystery of of iniquity. It's the mystery of this. So it is a mystery. So here's the deal. When things happen in your life, someone else's life, in our world, please, Christians, because Christians too often and too quickly rush onto the scene and have trite, inadequate cliches, platitudes, and so forth. And, And I tell you what, it's unbecoming. It's unbecoming. It is okay to say, I do not know. I do not know. Go ahead and practice that. I do not know. Um, I have found over the years in, in ministry and in being a law enforcement chaplain and a number of things, one of the best things that you can do is not rush in when people are dealing with pain and suffering and start trying to explain everything to them. The ministry of presence and the ministry of comfort is, is so needed at that time. They don't need to hear you blathering on and you espousing your theories and theology on everything. It's just a time to show the love of God and be the love of God in those situations. If you get that, just kind of bob your head just a little bit. All right. So we ask questions. Why? How could this happen? What's going on? Well, let me first of all say that Jesus said that in the world, he said this in John 16, 33. We'll read it uh, after a while here. Jesus said, in the world, there will be suffering. How many, how many of you know that that's pretty true? Okay. There are some uh, religions even and sects, that, S-E-C-T, uh, that um, even espouse that pain and suffering is an illusion. Well, seemed pretty real to me. And so, again, all these theories and everything else and trying to explain away God or explain away this or that, um, come up with these pat answers. Jesus just said straight up, he didn't shy away from it. He said, in the world, there will be suffering. You will have some suffering. First Corinthians, let's, let's continue to frame this. Paul writes, and, and I'm going to have you help me on this. He says, now we see, everybody say now. Now, now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then, everybody say then, then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know 
now is partial and incomplete, but, but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. Now, now is now. And Paul said, and this is so true, now when we look at things, it's like puzzling reflections in a mirror. We see a, we see a situation and as we look at it and try to understand it, it, we're seeing it through a refracted, reflected, mirror tricks kind of thing. Uh, New King James says we see in a mirror dimly. It's like I, I see it, but I can't really fully make it out. But then we're going to be able to see it face to face. We'll be able to see clearly what this is, what this was, why this was even face-to-face with God and then with the clarity of not just seeing things refracted and reflected, but be able to to see clearly. What we have is something called the already and the not yet. The already and the not yet. The kingdom of God is here, but the kingdom of God is coming. It continues to come. And so now Jesus said the kingdom of God is near you, the kingdom of God is in you, the kingdom of God is here, the kingdom of God is with you. And he said, and the kingdom of God is coming. And it's coming in its fullness. But we're now in this now already and not fully yet area where God will help us with things, but yet we see that there's still evil and there's still suffering and still pain in the world. Now, follow along with me. So now it's a little hazy, can't really make it out. Then we'll see it in full clarity, but now we can't understand everything, but we can understand some things. So the next few moments I'm going to take from a biblical worldview and frame out some things. These are going to be headlines. These are going to be bullet points more or less. Um, We could take weeks and months on each of these points, but I just want to give you five things real quick that I believe will help us to, to frame this right. First one would be this. God is not the author of evil and suffering. Read it with me. God is not the author of evil and suffering. Now, and we, get, we gain that from the complete canon of God's word. We're able to see that God is not the author of suffering. Satan, the devil, he's the one who brings about evil. There was no evil until he brought deception, sin came in, and then by virtue of sin, that opened up and corrupted everything. And death came, and pain, and suffering, evil, all of those things came in. So God is not the author of evil and suffering. Secondly, God can use evil and suffering to accomplish good. God can use. He, didn't, he, he did not author it, but he can use evil and suffering to accomplish good. Look with me in Romans chapter 8. And we know that all things, you think they really meant all things? All things work together for what? For good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And so all things work together for good. Sometimes because we're in the already and the not yet, Sometimes all things work together for good, and it works out for you by the afternoon. And sometimes it's 11 years. And sometimes you and everybody around you dies, and we still don't know. But it will turn out for good. 
We'll, we'll see that in just, just a moment here. So we're in the already, but the not yet. So you just need to know this. This will work out. I have a little saying, everything always works out for me. And I'm asking God to help me in the already, in the right here, in the right now. But I know whether he does it in the right now or he does it in the not yet, it will happen. Okay? So God can use evil and suffering to accomplish good. Look with me in Genesis chapter 50. And let me remind you of Joseph, okay? Joseph. Joseph, uh, his brothers were jealous of him. He was probably a little cocky, but they were jealous of him. And they took him out, beat him up, took his precious coat of many colors, dug a hole, threw him in, and sold him to some Bedouin slave dealers. Went home and told Dad, he died. Then he was sold probably multiple times. Then he is wrongly accused of a crime. And then he's thrown into prison. How many of you know things are not going well for Joseph? But then things turned around for him. God worked it out. And now his same brothers that beat him up, stole him, lied, uh, uh, sold him, and then lied about him, they come before him, and he's number two in command of the whole deal. And they're hungry. And he's got food. And he said, but as for you, sorry. No, I'm sorry, just kidding. But as for you, remember me? He says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day to save many people alive. And what was meant for evil, what was meant for bad, God is able to use that and to accomplish good. Listen to this, listen to this. God took the very worst thing that has ever happened in the history of the universe. It's called deicide. God killed dying on a cross. Deicide. God took the very worst thing that has ever happened in the history of the universe and turned it into the very best thing that has ever happened in the history of the universe. He opened heaven so anybody who would follow him could go in. Do you get that? He took the very worst thing that has ever happened in the history of the universe and turned it into the very best thing that ever happened in the history of the universe. And I believe in your life he can take the very worst thing and he can turn it around to be something crazy good. Amen. Let's keep going here. Thirdly, one day, everybody say one day. That's the not yet, but one day suffering will cease And God will judge all evil. Sickness and pain will be eradicated. And bad people will be held accountable. That'd be a good day. Hope we get to watch it. Fourthly, our current suffering pales in comparison to what God has in store. I think you need to read that with me. Our current suffering pales in comparison to what God has in store. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For our present troubles, that's now, our present troubles are small. The message paraphrase says they're small potatoes. Small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Verse 18. So we don't look at the trouble we can see now. Rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone 
but the things we cannot see will last forever. Look in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Every one of you are going to realize that. Now, we try and we fail, and it's not wisdom for us to try to explain every event that happens on earth. Something happened in someone's life, something happened in the news. I would advise against us taking the posture that we have to explain why that happened. I think, you know, a hurricane hits a city and and floods it or whatever else, and and I think it's wrong for a religious leader to come on and say, I'll tell you why that happened. It is wrong to take one thing out of everything. I'm going to diagram it for you a moment. To take one thing out of the whole picture, and I'm going to tell you what happened. I'm going to describe for you this, and and I just don't think that you can do that. I think you must have a long-term perspective, and you have to be able to see what we would call the bigger picture. Okay? Let me try to uh, illustrate for you. Let's let this line here represent all time. Everybody say all time. And then on this timeline, your life. Okay? Here's your life. Can you see it? This is not to scale, but you get my point. Okay? You got all timeline. Life, this is all of life, and there's your life. Now, let's zoom in on this. And here's my magnifying glass. And here's your life. We can see it better now. Oh, and that thing happened. Oh, and my loved one died. Thought I'd never get over that. Oh, and that happened. And right after that, something else happened. Can I tell you something? That when you back up and you look at it, you'll realize this, especially as believers. You are much more blessed than you are bothered. Much more. Now, let's... Let's take your life and let's put it back in where it belongs, in the whole, all of time. And here's the picture that you must have. And it's God's overarching meta-narrative. It's the big story. Here's the big story, okay? And this is God's big story. Here's life. There's you. And God's big story over all of this, and it started out good, and it will end good. There are only four chapters in the whole wide Bible that have no reference to sin, its consequences, pain, suffering, evil. Only four chapters. The first two chapters of the book of Genesis... And the last two chapters of the book of Revelation. And so God has a great big story. And for us to try to determine this happened, this happened, this happened. And explain it all here. On my Tuesday afternoon or whatever it would be. And that's so out of context. You've got to think long term. You've got to think big picture. And here's what you do. I trust God. I trust God. Now, real quick, we've got to keep going here. There is a time coming. There is a time coming. There was a time, 
And there will be a time where there's no pain, no suffering, no evil, no curse, nothing bad. And some of that is hitting us because the kingdom of God is here. But it's not fully here. It will fully be here. And we're trusting God toward that end. Are you with me? All right. Let's kind of wrap this up this morning. You can either turn bitter or you can turn to God. You can either turn bitter or you can turn to God. I've watched this happen. The same kind of thing, almost identical, happened to two different people. And one person gets sad, mad, bitter, defeated. The other one just kind of gets a calmness to them. They become more gentle and caring. There's a depth that comes to them, and they do something helpful. Just one example would be mad. Mothers against drunk driving. The origins of that was they lost a loved one because of drunk driving. I've watched countless other people. They get mad, defeated, depressed, bitter. It's horrible. It's evil. It's suffering. But I've watched other people, the same thing happened to them, and they had to process for sure. But then they turned that into something good. You can either turn bitter or you can turn to God. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me, everybody say in him, in me you may have peace. In this world, in this world you will have trouble, pain, suffering, evil. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Take heart, I've overcome the world. What, watch this. He's saying for now, with all that you're needing to face, I give you peace. For what may be coming ahead, I give you courage. I say, take heart. Take this courage and put it in your heart. So for now, I have peace. For whatever may be coming, I have courage from God. And then he said, I've overcome the world. Do you know what he's saying? I've deprived the world of having power over you. In other words, God will have the last word. God will have the last word. So I can get bitter. I can turn bitter or I can turn to God. God's ultimate answer to all of this. Let me tell you, he made it all. He's the creator. He's the redeemer. He didn't author evil. That was a devil, a fallen angel who came and corrupted and brought that in. And it's here. You can believe in a loving, powerful, all-knowing God who loves you and knows you. Even though right here is evil and pain and suffering. And God will have the last word. I'm not going to exclude him because you can either do life and eternity with God or you can do it without God. And I'd rather do it with him in the, in the middle of whatever's going on. How many of you have had things happen in your life before? And, you, and you'd say, time later, what you gained, what you brought out of that. You'd say, I'd never vote for that to happen again, but i tell you what, I'd never give up that it did happen. God can redeem those things in our life. Now watch this. God's answer to all of this is not an explanation. God's answer is incarnation. He's not just with you. He's in you. And your pain and your struggle becomes his pain and his struggle. And with him, you are never alone. And you're never without help. I will never doubt that it was God who helped me in every hard spot in my life. I will never doubt 
that it was God who helped me in every hard spot in my life. Don't confuse God, who is good, with life that is hard. I want to say it again. Don't confuse God, who is good, with life that is hard. Don't do life without God. Don't fall prey to a flawed thinking that if there's evil, there can't be God. You don't want to be here without God. And when the lights go off, you don't want that next chapter without God. Turn to him. He's the answer. The problem, the mystery of evil, yeah, there's a lot we can't explain. There's no way in 35 minutes and with a flip chart I'm going to explain all of this. I don't understand all of this. I will say to you for a whole lot of things, I don't know. But what relieves us is on a Tuesday afternoon, a Thursday morning, a Saturday night or whatever, and something goes wrong. And I can see that. But in the big picture of everything, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. Y'all get anything at all out of this this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.